Welcome to this edition of Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, and I'm Gwen Lister. The Fishrot Files, or Fishrot, it's a phrase already familiar to a lot of people, not only in Namibia, but also further afield. It's the result of a collaborative journalism investigative story between a number of different media houses and involves kickbacks and bribery in our fishing industry involving massive amounts, some estimate as much as between 150 million Namibia dollars up to 2.5 billion. And these revelations have shaken the country to the core. It's not that corruption headlines are new in Namibia, but this one is bigger than most. And already several heads have rolled, including those of two cabinet ministers and others outside the country. And to paint a slightly broader picture, although we won't have time to discuss this in any depth today, not only does this involve corruption at the highest level, but it also speaks to the importance of good journalism in speaking truth to power and underpinning democracy, and in so doing, winning back public trust. With me today are two of the journalists who've been at the center of this expose. Shinaveni Emanuel, who heads the Namibian Investigative Journalism Unit, and Helgi Selyan of the Icelandic National Broadcasting Service, who has also done a major documentary on this issue. Let me start out by just sketching a little bit of a background and uh, pose this question to Shino, if I may. Shino started writing stories about this issue or this issue which led to the bigger story in 2014 already. Your reports at the time were often generally dismissed as just being anti-government. Um, but now it has planted seeds, and this has turned from a very local news story and corruption here on a smaller scale to this huge global expose. Shino, tell us a bit how that started. Yeah, I think uh, for us, especially the Namibian, it was mostly we started getting tits and bits of, of this story around 2013, 2014, but se concrete, concretely around 2014. Um, and that's when, for instance, the current, the, the former minister appointed James Atuikulipi on the Fishco board. We wrote that. We basically said, so is appointing a person close to a relative um, to the Fishco board. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that article, James Atuikulipi, who we said, we questioned why he was being appointed, even threatened to, 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 to sue us. So we, but we held our ground. In fact, what we did is, turning his legal threat into a story saying how he will be threatened to sue because we believed at the point that that was a major red flag and then a few weeks later the, we did several reports on the issue of of SL being accused of giving quotas to Fishko. Remember if you follow the trend is that um, SL appoints um, his uh, son-in-law's cousin right. who is James on this board and then all of a sudden starts giving quotas to this board, to this fishing entity. And then we started questioning. We did several reports. And obviously at the time they felt it was an attack to Esau, who apparently was already giving, you know, promoting Namibianization of the fishing sector. But we at the point we had concrete evidence that uh, something was not right. It's not right. 
Thanks for that, Chino. And then to come to you, Helgi. From there, it suddenly became this major global news story and your huge documentary and the whistleblower in Iceland coming up and spilling all the beans, implicating everybody. Can you tell us, taking it from where Shino left off, how did this reach you and how did it become the major story it became? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, about a year ago, uh, a friend of mine who's uh, actually the current editor of, of uh, Wikileaks contacted me and, and told me that he had some documents that he had uh, gotten and, and possibly uh, a whistleblower who would like to meet us and and we met him and, and that was this man, Johannes Stefansson. And right. after that first meeting we, we realized that uh, this sounded like a like a huge story. We, we had spoken about the issue before because the Iceland, uh, the Icelandic interests in in Africa, in the fishing industry has has come up in, in, in small news stories over the years, especially regarding the uh, the fishing around uh, Mauritania and, and Morocco, where they have been accused of of uh, overfishing and and fishing from the Mauritius people, no, not the Mauritanian people with uh, with quota from Morocco and and all of that so but, but it's the fishing industry as a whole and in, in, in generally globally is a really really closed up business there's absolutely no transparency there's more transparency in and and in, uh, in a lot of you know a lot of businesses that you would think would be less trans transparent than the fishing industry and that yes. that of course is because you you have companies uh, that are uh, located in, in tax havens, and then the ships are in, in another tax haven, and and so on. And and because it moves around, it's it's really really hard to to figure out how it is. So so that made this story even more genuine. Is oh. is, is the fact that we have a, uh, all of these documents uh, who paint this picture pretty clearly, and also the whistleblower, which is which is unique. The other thing is, while I'm chatting to you, uh, Helgi, is someone said, and I forget who it was, the myth of Iceland's innocence is dead. Would you like to speak to that and tell us more particularly what has been the fallout of this in Iceland itself? The implications of what is happening in an African country and taking these fishing quotas and bribing and corrupting. What's yeah. been the fallout? You're listening to Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust. Stay with us. There's more to come on the fish rot scandal. Well, the fallout has obviously been that uh, uh, it has, uh, of course, had, had a huge impact on, on, uh, on the company involved, which is uh, the largest seafood company and fisheries company in Iceland. Uh, uh, they are have also been in the recent years and, and that is of course something that has raised questions in the recent days is uh, For the last 10 years or so they have also been investing a lot in, in they bought and uh, Bought some companies in the huge chain of grocery stores. They oh. bought a shipping company and and they have been getting a lot bigger in the, in the recent years uh, which of course raises questions on, on where the money came from that they that they used for that. Uh, but yeah, the fallout has of course been that, that they are 
uh, their CEO has stepped down. Uh, I think that that we haven't begin to see the uh, the effect that it's that it's going to have on it's the company. Have. Yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, regarding politics, it it, it has uh, yeah it, it has had had some effect there because the, just yesterday the government uh, proposed a, a sixteen point plan in in just to uh, try and, and, and recover from this scandal by, by putting on uh, all kinds of changes in legislation mm -hmm. and, and, and... To avoid these kinds of yeah, situations. Yeah, and, and to, to, to make, the, especially the fisheries industry, more transparent also. Uh, a lot of the things that they are talking about there has been talked about in Iceland for, for many years. So, so yeah, the, it, it, although... Some, some good indirectly will come out of this really horrible scandal yeah I, I i believe so and 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 the fact about the the, the quote about the icelandic innocence i believe that uh, even now icelanders after the banking crisis and yeah. the panama papers yeah. and, and all of that uh, people aren't walking around with with thoughts in their head like of of, of genuine innocence by the icelanders anymore but right. but what they thought was kind of still our deal was that we came here to Namibia in, in, in 1990 to help with uh, the aid program. Correct. And we spent, I think, $10 million here or something. But uh, it was all done to, to Namibianize the, the fishing industry. And, and generally that work was said to have been almost like a miracle. Right. It, it went really good and, and, and I think we did a lot of good here. But as soon as those guys went, uh, this company came, and although they, <coughs> although the briberies they are uh, allegedly paid were amounted to the same amount, Correct. they, I believe, uh, gained probably tenfold uh, what they had yeah, put in. What they had put yes. in, and and of course uh, something that we cannot forget is that, you know, this. Uh, uh, I think this, setting aside the bribery and the tax evasion and stuff, I think this this is just a classic case of state looting in the sense that you have a a, a fishing quota, a national resource, mm. which is taken uh, by a foreign company, Correct. Uh, and instead of at least paying for the quota, they, they right. don't pay, they pay as little as half to the state. Uh, and the rest goes into the pocket of these so-called sharks. So, so I think that's something that that when you add it up, uh, I think that's one of the biggest biggest effects that it has on a country like Namibia. Is is if if the documents are are, are true, which I believe they are, uh, the money that has been taken out of the uh, taken from the state and and. At the end, the Namibian people is 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 incredibly high. The number is incredibly high. Absolutely, and of course, this is a resource that was meant post independence to benefit the people more, particularly the have-nots of this country. Yeah, yeah. Shino, can I turn to you? And obviously, the fallout in Iceland we've heard a little about, and there's been significant fallout here um, with a number of heads rolling, including two ministers. And it's it seems likely this is going to continue. Um, and of course, you right at the forefront of that. Give us a little idea of what you think the impact 
of the story or what it has in Namibia? Is it going to ultimately is it going to change anything? Also, um, I think uh, like I was I was talking to Tangeni uh, editor the other time that I think this is probably one of the biggest stories we have worked yes, on. Um, I think even the way we have uh, presented it to the readers oh. we were like so confident because in the past we were always at the back end of accusation of going after certain people Absolutely. but in this case i think this gave us more of the evidence the hard core evidence of where you have shangala boasting about look let's do this before everyone wakes up and this is the only chance yeah. if the minister comes in or if the, this minister is removed, it won't be changed. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of hardcore evidence. Protect the minister. Yes, yes. yes. And we need and to protect the minister. evidence that yes. underpinned. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I think, on top of, of the stuff they did, yes. where the minister was busted for asking, you know, money, and then he was, um, you know, approached and asked, for, you know, where, why, what, why is he denying it? I think all of that contributed to a much more a, a public that is aware of oh, this is not only visible in documents it's visible even on the videos Absolutely. so I think but uh, in terms of at the moment okay of course two ministers resigned mm -hmm. um, our our role mostly is just to give the public the information we wouldn't want to be the one having to say okay so and so should move away from exactly. office I yes. think that should be up to the public to demand if they feel so Exactly. Our job mostly is to say, look, this is wrong, and uh, yeah. or we probably feel this is wrong, and the government sh is cheated. But at the end of the day, the public should be the one saying, I think that here heads should roll. Yeah. Well, in some cases, we we will, we will probably go in instances where some people won't be touched. I think that is likely to happen uh, because it's a system. Mm -hmm. um, I think what even other people who have covered previous stories. This is a system of, we are talking about, we probably shook one of the biggest system in Namibia and exactly. abroad in terms of their clique of how they do things. And they are likely to recycle themselves in the next few, four years. What they're going yes. to do is go back, yes. plan, and then get back into the system. Exactly. And uh, unless maybe if as things, um, extraordinary things happen where where the, the new ad, uh, the administration or the people on top of the chain of the politics where they will say no we cannot allow a b c and d into the system exactly these are shamed individuals who have who are known publicly to be a disgrace and uh, they will be give, give a bad example to the people so exactly. yeah you're listening to free speak a podcast of the namibia media trust stay with us there's more to come on the fish rot scandal also, it speaks to the power of collaborative journalism and cross-border makes it easier mm -hmm. or, or less likely that government can deny and block local media yeah. because it's yeah. gone so big. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Yeah. Um, maybe I can quickly ask you, Helgi, because it, it's, it's a thing, an aspect of this reporting that people have noted. And that was when you guys collared uh, our former Ministry of Fisheries now, uh, Bernard Esau, and ironically speaking, a transparency, or he was due to speak on transparency yeah. at a conference in Oslo. Mm -hmm. And that's where you managed to collar him and get him on the record. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the, uh, the thing is, we had been trying to get an interview with him for, for uh, some time. Some time. We, we, uh, uh, we
we we had offered him to meet him in Berlin where he was traveling uh-huh. and and uh, at the last minute he uh, told us no and and then we offered to come here and 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 to Namibia and, and uh, do the interview and uh, and then we got some message that he wouldn't be uh, up for an interview but we could talk to some some lower level level guys in the uh-huh. uh, in the ministry so so uh, having you know gotten that answer and, and the second no from him we we decided to to go to the uh, along with Al Jazeera we went to Norway and 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 yeah we met him at this this conference where we yeah, basically confronted him with the videos of uh, of him uh, talking to these so-called Chinese investors who were, who were uh-huh. journalists posing as, as investors and, uh-huh. and and they asked him about him there it was uh, yeah it was uh, it was a strange thing to <laughs> to do but uh, but yeah but I think it uh, in a sense although it was uh, you know yeah kind of strange it it, it showed that uh, you know a lot of his answers were of course pretty uh, I don't know the right word for it but uh, they were special <laughs> to say the least so mm. so it, it, it definitely showed you know uh, a lot of the things that we have been uh, watching for the last couple of months is is we see how how in the documents how how this company Samhiri and people around there talk about what the minister has been doing for the last couple of uh-huh. six or seven years uh-huh. changing the law doing this and that and, and Samhiri always saying that we are involved in changing the law, the law changing that, that's now been worked on by Saki and the minister uh-huh. is done uh, most of all for Samhiri and stuff. Correct. And in the meanwhile, the same minister has been doing speech after speech after speech about uh, the need for Namibianization, uh, exactly. the, the need for uh, exactly. creating jobs and and such. So, so you know, that of course, uh, you know, th- was not in sync, to say the least, yeah. of, of what we now know that he was doing. And what they say and what they do is so dramatically different. Yeah. In the meantime, the country is being, or certainly its resources are being sold out from under us. The timing of the fish rot files just before elections, is there something sinister about that? Keep listening. Back to you, uh, uh, Shino, on the local front. I don't want you to sh- show your hand because I'm sure we're going to be able to anticipate a lot more coming out of this. And obviously, much of what is going to happen depends on how the authorities are going to be dealing with uh, this issue going forward. Um, You know, we've heard of some things, or you've reported the freezing of certain bank accounts and uh, resignations, of course. What do you think? Where where is this going to go from here? And maybe just a second part of the question, because we'll be running out of time. A lot of naysayers have said that this um, revelation coming at the time it does, just before Namibia national and presidential elections on the 27th of this month, is, is kind of timed deliberately. Do you want to maybe, if you can, to speak briefly to those two questions? Yeah, yeah I think from, from, from what we have seen, I think this is probably one of those leaks that we have worked on several leaks, like uh-huh. the Panama Papers, uh-huh. Parada Papers where you probably feel, okay, we have reached just the end of the road on these exactly. kind of stories. But this one, we we feel we could probably even go up to March next year of just stories. 
but it will take time it yes. will also take a lot of uh, collaborations and just mm -hmm. being patient and not mm -hmm. you know writing so many stories that will tire readers otherwise they will be like oh <laughs> not again yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah so yeah. but we will be looking at these stories oh and i think as they are going because we suspect is that um, the system was so rigged that yeah. it has been tailored for certain people Yes. Um, and that includes, I mean, even that in their documentary, they spoke of a system that the Icelandic government sponsored to make sure the quota allocation was, was transparent. Right. Mm -hmm. One thing that the current minister did when he came into power is to get rid of it. So those right. kind of stories, there should be a lot of things that they changed in the system that we'll have to look at so that we raise the flag so that next time you know, we do have to look, uh, we, we don't have to go through the same thing again. And because even now, the one newspaper has been calling for the, just the cancellation of these so-called fishing quotas. I mean, I don't understand why a fishing quota should go to Fishco, which eventually goes to Icelandic and a few exactly. five people, exactly. where else they can give this quota to, they can just maybe give it to directly to schools or to the catering company that is fund, that is giving food to schools and say, guys, this is the quota for this year. No learner should go starving yes. at all, which yes. then this fish will be distributed to all the schools. So that's, that's what we probably want to advocate to say yeah. this uh, spoon feeding of government yeah. or state owned resources to few companies that are always a uh, click around the minister. Yeah. It's not Namibianization. It's exactly. privatization of few people. So exactly. that's one of it. And to the issue of the timing, you know, I've always, we just believe that the story is a story. Um, if a story comes out now that, uh, you know, the president is doing this and it's his birthday tomorrow. The timing is with It has nothing to do with it. It's mostly exactly. what is the issue? Yeah. Because if we find out even on Monday that 10 people are dying of hunger in a certain exactly. region, we're not going to pull back and say we can't report on that because mm -hmm. people will see it as election. Exactly. Because if anything, we should be able to provide the public with a full picture to say these are when you make your decision that's right you know this at least you make this decision knowing this yeah, exactly. so i think we don't want to f make it seem as if and people are they don't understand exactly. that the issue of timing some of them will appreciate it some of them will say no this is but it's up to them exactly. i think at the end of the day we should give them the choice and as we in journalism always say, we always like to think what is actually at the heart of any story. Mm -hmm. And obviously at the heart of this story is human greed. Yeah. Uh, whether it's on Namibian soil, whether it's further afield, it is the greed that is denying mm -hmm. essentially a, a country of just less than three million people yeah. to feed, house, educate mm -hmm. and give health care to, to a majority of those people. And it's stories like this that hopefully one day will make the difference and that our resources, as you say, Shino, will be more appropriately yeah. used to the benefit of the people themselves. Will the fish rot files revelations really change anything on the ground? Please stay engaged. Finally, to wrap up, a last comment from either or both of you on any of this. We hear of much anticipated Al Jazeera documentary coming on the 1st of December, so obviously the story isn't going to go away and I think public interest isn't going to go away. So we look forward to the next chapter. Helgi, last words from you before we yeah, close. Uh, yeah, just uh, I'm, 
as you said, there, there, there's a lot more to come because there's uh, definitely, uh, as I understand it, there's a lot brewing in the uh, investigation, both here in Namibia and, and, and also in, in at least three other countries. So I think that, uh, although we can't say right now, but I think that in, in the, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks we're going to uh, we're going to see something coming out for, uh, out of these investigations. You can speculate on, on whether the investigation should have been uh, done more quicker and, and, and why it didn't go like that. Was it because yeah. of the Minister of Justice yeah. was who he was? And, and, and I think it definitely played a role. Yeah. But, uh, you know, from what we've heard now, all of the relevant authorities, at least here and, and, and in the other countries, are, are at least up to speed now. Absolutely. And obviously here at home we hope, if nothing else, the authorities will do the right thing for yeah. once and for all. Shino, any last remarks from you on that score? Yeah, I think if anything, what this investigation, if anything, just uh, cements the need for whistleblowers. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't be relying on people, not really, but those who go abroad and really risk their lives for a country that they are not from. Yeah. Not saying that it's wrong, but yeah. I think if anything it provides, as we say, we should be able to trust the media with information. Yeah. And if you want to be protected, most of the time we do protect sources. Yeah. So if you are at a high office facilitating all these documents for certain ministers to benefit, and uh, the 80% of the country is suffering, they don't have any access to health, yeah. any access to water, yeah. and these decisions are being made by a certain to benefit certain two to ten people who are building mansions and you are just there getting maybe a, a salary which so is but generally people should tap into their conscience and say i'm tapping this document an agreement that will disadvantage the, Namib the namibian government the namibian yeah. people yeah. how about if i leak it to mm -hmm. the namibians exactly. or to because i think sorry yeah. you know is the the, the the of course we know that it was a uh, not such a big clique of people, yeah. uh, politicians and, and the mm. companies that were involved, but yeah. there, there was a lot of people who got wind of at least Absolutely. bits and, and bits of exactly. of something that there was mm. so definitely wrong that, yeah. that it should have raised alarms. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe on that note, it's a good note to end just to say, you know, you guys are in speaking truth to power and revealing these kinds of massive yeah. corruption and other stories. Um, you know, I didn't ask you the question, but at some point, you know, your lives could also be endangered. You playing here with the rich and the powerful and the corrupt, whose tentacles reach deep across the oceans and across the continent. And um, I think kudos has to be paid to the journalists who are doing this kind of work. And the public needs to be called upon to really continue to support good journalism, whether it means buying a newspaper or a subscription to a broadcaster, whatever it is. It needs to be supported because at the end of the day, this is what is uh, keeping our democracy on, on its toes, whether it's here in Iceland or elsewhere in the world. So I thank you both Helgi uh, from Iceland and Shino from Namibia. Thank you very much you. for the thank discussion. You nice. Thank you. Cheers.